0: From deep inside your audio device of choice. Just like clockwork. Except the clock don't work. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I begin this program with breaking news, really. Well, kind of. It's the news that has broken this... It's not really broken, it's, it's, it's bent. The news that uh, there was to have been a meeting of... <laughs> the <laughs> president of the United States, and representatives of the Afghan government and the Taliban, come, Mr. Taliban, uh, at Camp David right now as I'm speaking to you. supposed to be happening right now. I wasn't invited, so I'd be speaking to you anyway. And it, and it was going to be at Camp David, as I say. And we learned about it only when the <laughs> president announced yesterday that it was canceled, last night, I think didn't have anything to watch. Um, and the reaction so far has uh, been all over the place. This is America's longest war, after all, the war in Afghanistan. And uh, the good news is it's going to go on a little longer. These peace talks, I think we've had some reports on this program about the progress that was being made in Doha, the capital of Qatar, uh, between Zalmay Khalilzad, the longtime American diplomatic representative over there, and representatives of the Taliban. Come, Mr. Taliban. And uh, those reports were indicating, based on administration sources, that uh, they were it edging closer and closer to an agreement. Now, the, the elephant in the room, so to speak, is that the current Afghan government was not involved in these talks at the insistence of the Taliban, because uh, they don't recognize what they call America's stooge, uh, uh, Afghanistan stooge government. I think they don't like stooges. Me, I don't like shemp. But so, but still, this was uh, supposedly on a trajectory towards some kind of end. Uh, the agreement, terms of which have been leaked, would have provided for a very small residual force, about 5,000 American troops, but the withdrawal of the rest, and uh, the Taliban agreeing, after the agreement was signed with us, to start talks with the Afghan government. As I say, all of this has been put on hold by the president's decision to uh, scupper, as the Brits say, the talks. Now, the and, and as I mentioned, There's criticism all over the place. A lot of uh, conservative Republicans are, or at least some, are uh, criticizing the president for inviting Taliban representatives to Camp David on the weekend just before the commemoration of the anniversary of 9-11. Seems a bit sticky. On the other hand, I would point out the good news in that, which is uh, credit where credit is due, He didn't invite them to have the talks at a Trump hotel. Now, maybe he was just either that was, you know, sound decision making and discretion on his part, or he's just scared of them and uh, thought it would be bad for business. But there are uh, equally a broad range of uh, explanations for this sudden turnabout by the like. There, he doesn't do sudden turnabouts, so this would be bewildering people. Uh, and some of them involve pressure from uh, allies or pressure from folks inside the administration. Most notably, the uh, National Security Advisor, John Bolton, a man who's never seen a regime he doesn't want to change. And I, it, it's quite. He, Bolton apparently, reportedly, was uh, warning about the implicit dangers in such a deal. And uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has been all over the Sunday Yak shows. I think he did a full Ginsburg this morning. Uh, maybe he didn't do all five. He may have only done four. A, a modified, limited Ginsburg. But uh, Pompeo, who is putting the A.O. in Pomp, now he's he's rumored to be on his way out as Secretary of State because the uh, Republican head of the Senate, Mitch, Mitch McConnell, wants him to run for the Senate in his home state of Kansas. Apparently they're losing their incumbent there, and McConnell wants to keep hold of the Senate. So this may be, in fact, the last days of Pompeo. Thank you very much. But anyway, he's been all over explaining and really not explaining why this was going to happen and why it didn't happen. Uh, I have a personal theory, which is sort of based on uh, not Occam's razor so much, but Occam's electric shaver. It is... That, yes, Bolton was warning Trump about uh, the dangers of such a deal, but in a a very specific way, and I will hark back to history for a moment, there is tape, and uh, hopefully very soon you'll hear some uh, emanations of that on this program, but there's tape of uh, Richard Nixon and Henry Kissinger way back when speculating, planning, agreeing on the necessity of delaying the end of the Vietnam War until after the 1972 election so that uh, Nixon wouldn't get blamed for, oh, you spoiled it. So uh, my theory is suddenly Trump looked at the calendar and went, wait a minute. If we if, if we pull the trigger on this thing now, and maybe this was what Bolton was telling him, people are going to see it fall apart before the election. Let them see it fall apart after the election. Just a theory, ladies and gentlemen. Better than nothing. When in doubt, have a theory. Hello, welcome to the show. Well, in the two cities that I most frequently frequent, it's, it is still summertime. If you look at the, if you look outside, if you go outside, especially. So we're trying to keep the summer alive here. As uh, I say, from New Orleans, Louisiana, welcome. I'm Harry Shearer. Welcome to this edition of the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen.
1: It's
0: Oh, it's, a, it's a smart world but it's smart hard to just fine line between smart and wacky i guess is the best way to put it security vulnerabilities in 30 gps tracker models targeted at kids seniors and pets is all can expose data including people's real-time gps coordinates according to a blog post this week from security firm avast reported by cnet wacky right Design flaws also allow hackers to potentially access device microphones. What could be wrong with that? Or spoof a location, highlighting the security and privacy struggles consumers still face when it comes to smart devices. Maybe smart is like a, a brand name that doesn't really represent the, the nature of the product. Just just guessing here. The uh, Tracker from Chinese manufacturer Shenzhen transmits requests from its web application in plain text, which means the device is unencrypted and not secure. That's the way I feel right now. This could allow a malicious third party, there aren't any, to do things like eavesdrop through the microphone, use SMS to reroute the device to another service to gain full control and spoof information sent to the cloud, or to share a URL to the device, allowing a remote attacker to infect it with malware from afar. Well why don't we just why don't we just crack down on afar? 29 other models primarily from the same manufacturer sold on Amazon, eBay and Alibaba for our Chinese listeners contain the same insecure infrastructure according to Avast. Some were sold under the name Shenzhen, some under different product names. That's known as white labeling. Meaning I guess it's a good thing. The firm notified the manufacturer about these uh, flaws, received no response. Ho-ho-hum, oh, security flaws. Please don't bother us. We're having lunch. The default password is 123456. It can easily be changed by the user at the first time they do unboxing, says the director of international sales for Shenzhen Tech. Shenzhen I365 is the full name of the company. Yeah. And you can change the password in your light bulbs while you're at it, but smart devices include the Internet-connected Hello Barbie doll and stuffed animals, Cloud Pets. I don't know if they found the flaws in those specific devices. The Avast researchers say in their post, if you want to purchase a smart device, that's a big if, and ensure your security, you must do your research (laughs) on the security protocols built into a given device, particularly when it is a low-cost device, which I guess translates into no security. A growing number of consumers, according to certain research, are concerned about privacy in their smart devices. Welcome to the club. Babes getting smarter is Uber now. That's a a company built on smart tech, we're told. And here's what they're up to not content with trying to keep categorizing their drivers as independent contractors. They Uber and Lyft have announced plans to spend 60 million dollars on a campaign against the ballot proposition in California this year that would, this year, next year, that would classify such such, uh, workers as employees, entitling them to, you know, benefits. But they are offering some benefit to their driver, drivers, Uber is. They'll lend them money. They'll put them, in other words, in debt to Uber. The uh, company, according to Vox, sent out an in-app message to some drivers this week saying it's building a new financial product to help Uber drivers with the finances in a time of need. Asked recipients to fill out a survey about uh, whether they'd taken out a loan, which kind they were more likely to repay. Many of Uber's drivers are in debt, struggling to make ends meet. Why would that be? It's such a It's prompting some politicians and drivers to criticize the company. Skeptical, considering that Uber and Lyft are spending those tens of million dollars to fight that California legislation. Uber declined comment on the record. And in uh, social media groups where Uber, Uber and Lyft drivers talk to each other, there's similar skepticism. Uber wouldn't be the first major company to offer small cash loans to its workers whatever you call them, many other employers, such as Walmart, have started offering payroll advances and loans to their own cash-strapped employees. And here's the the lead, all the way down, buried at the bottom. The interest rates on those loans from kind-hearted employers like Walmart, the interest rates, according to the Wall Street Journal, vary from 6 to 35%. I throw that away right now. Lest it lest it taint me. Another uh item of smartness. Teletext Holidays. No, I've never heard of them either. Don't worry about it. But uh Teletext Holidays is a, a British company. And so this is a report from a British source, the Register. They managed to leave more than 200,000 customer phone call recordings exposed on an unsecured server at Amazon Web Services. From the register. A total of five hundred thirty-two thousand files were exposed on those service on those servers belonging to Truly Travel, a company that actually does business as teletext holidays. Truly Travel sounds like a better name, but they're hiding that. Two hundred twelve of those recordings were live, were recordings of live news. The news site that first reported the breach said the calls were recorded between April and August uh, three years ago involved Brits ringing up to make bookings, change them, complain, you know, like that. In conversations where a holiday was booked, customers also told the company employees partial card details, like the type of card, name on card, and expiration date. Basic security measures were implemented. The customers were told to input card numbers using the uh, handset. Punch them in. The unique audio tones generated by passing the key, pressing the keypad buttons would make it absolutely easy to recover the 16-digit number as well as the expiration date. We're in the process of reporting the manner, manner to the ICO, which is a British regulator, and we will fully comply with our wider legal obligations. The company's taking all appropriate steps to ensure the situation does not occur in the future. That's from Truly Travel. Customer details being contained in audio... Clips don't lessen the severity of the data breach. A breach. 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 Breaches, says a uh, director of cyber services at a threat intel firm. Aside from the painfully obvious, please don't store unencrypted data in unencrypted data storage and be at all surprised when it leaks, this makes the point very well that the actual medium in which the data is stored is irrelevant. The fact that these were voice files makes no difference to the value of the data. To hackers unquote that is to say, voice data is our still data it would appear and uh on a related subject still still in the smart world, best buy well actually, this would be about your smart house. No, it wouldn't be that. It would be this. A
1: house is a very, very, very smart house.
2: And
0: Anybody ever asked this question, what happens when your smart devices are dumbed down? We're about to find out. Best Buy has announced that the mobile app platform for controlling its brand of smart home devices is going bye-bye, November 6th. I guess that's so they can attend the Derek Smalls concert at the Wiltern on that date. The company says affected products will still function at a basic level, that is to say, dumb, dumb but any features that rely on its Insignia Connect app and platform will no longer work. The products include smart wall plugs, smart Wi-Fi light switches, its smart camera, and its Wi-Fi freezer. Sounds like a country song, but it's a Wi-Fi freezer. Best Buy is now running a reimbursement program for whoever decided to buy one of these products. Its smart freezer will retain all normal freezer functions. The plug and switch won't be completely useless. Uh, It'll still have a a basic on-off switch button. The uh, app functionality will not work. work. Any of the scheduled timers that were set up previously will continue to function. And Best Buy is advising any customers who used its Wi-Fi camera to download stored video clips before November 4th are advised to download those clips before November 4th, two days prior to the shutdown, or else those clips will be lost forever. Yeah, that's what happens when your smart devices go dumb. And this from the British Academy of Management via Fizz.org: the more smart devices that people add to their homes, the less happy they are with the technology according to this new research. First in-depth study on satisfaction with smart homes found that people were happiest with the devices if they only had a few of them. Well, that's like kids, isn't it? No, I didn't mean that. Pets, cats, whatever. Cars. It also found that older people were just as happy with the devices as younger ones. Gender and income made no difference as to how satisfied people were. It's just a number of those damn things. Three researchers from Newcastle University Business School Ran an online survey of 457 people in the United States. Yeah, they studied us, huh? Who use smart home technology such as lighting, motion sensors, music players, and Echo and Home? The research produced the surprising finding that the more devices that were used, the less people intended to use them in the future. Respondents were given a list of 29 smart home devices. For each device used, there was a full there was a fall in the intention to continue use. Every device. One of the researchers told the uh, British Academy of Management Conference that, quote, the possible expl- explanation could be that the first few devices add value to consumers' life, but they do not want to switch all devices into smart ones, as this might entail complications, unquote. See Best Buy story previous. He said, the researcher, that there was no difference in satisfaction with comparing all these other demographic tendencies, those with larger families tended to be less keen to continue to use the technology. Those with large houses were happier too. Well, I can't get all the way over there to that room. The research carried out was the first of its kind. And if the industry has anything to say about it, the last. It's a smart world, ladies and gentlemen. We're just too dumb to live in it. Now, from the land of 15,000 princes. You know, I have... uh, I've I've tried to throw some some shade on the whole idea of influencers, young folks getting paid to shill products as if they sincerely dig them on social media. Yes, I use shade and dig in the same sentence. That's how... uh, That's the universality of this program. We're, we're wholly about diversity. I'm, I'm all about diversity. Anyway, travel blogger Aggie Lay, or Lai. No, that's an L. Lal. Aggie Lal. Okay. Might not seem like the obvious person to sell the virtues of Saudi Arabia. This spring, she was sharing updates with more than 800,000 Instagram followers as she explored ancient Saudi rudens, ruins, rudens, Scott Rudens, and frolicked in the desert. For Lal, who's 31, should know better, babe, it was a rare chance to see a country like nowhere else in the world, with all her expenses paid. Yes, she is a shill. It's a perk shared with other influencers, according to Bloomberg. They make a living from their wide social media followings. And for Saudi Arabia, it was timely and helpful publicity, as the country struggles to keep friends after the whole Khashoggi murder of nearly a year ago. Her uh, 10-day tour was, Lyle's, was arranged by Gateway KSA, a program that started offering tours two years ago, and is funded by a Saudi corporate sponsorship. They are shills. It's hosted by Prince Turki al-Faisal, formerly an intelligence chief. Yeah, that's, that's a guy who knows how to make friends. He later had a short stint as Saudi ambassador to the U.S. following 9-11. Get over there and make friends, Mr. Intel chief, before they figure out (laughs) who did 9-11. Prince Mohammed, MBS, has loosened loosened social restrictions and championed events like a concert by a French DJ at a racing festival, also attended by influencers. Next up, to uh, soften the Saudi image, a heavyweight boxing match. The country plans to issue tourist visas for the first time later this month, so you can see where Khashoggi murder was plotted. What we present to these young people is that there's another side to the story about Saudi Arabia than what they simply read in the press. Prince Turkey, the former Intel's chief, says of the guests of Gateway KSA, we have much to do in the kingdom to affect the opinions of others. Yeah. Influencers, ladies and gentlemen. After the kingdom's efforts to rebrand were derailed by Khashoggi's murder, it just makes perfect sense for them to purchase alternative avenues of influence like this, says a director of the Florin Influence Transparency Initiative. Such a program would have been inconceivable in Saudi Arabia five years ago, so this is progress. More than 200 people have visited through the program so far. University students and social media influencers. Their costs are covered. They don't receive any other fees. It's a free trip. Gateway KSA doesn't have a direct relationship with the government. Sponsors include state-controlled Saudi Telecom, Saudi Basic Industries, and Saudi Arabian Airlines, which do have a direct relationship with the government. Gateway KSA visitors are free to say whatever they want about their trip, says uh, Prince Turkey the former intel chief it's not a propaganda exercise he says it's simply a human engagement exercise well the words get better don't they news from the land of 15,000 princes our freedom-loving friends in saudi arabia From New Orleans, this is the show, and now...
3: He's not a general. He commands no troops. He's not an inspector. He peeks at no stoops. He's an inspector general.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, from the Who Would Have Thunk It department, during the family separation crisis last year, Health and Human Services facilities struggled to provide adequate mental health care to migrant children as required under the law, according to the what, uh, Inspector General of the Department of Health and Human Services. Many of these migrant minors had already faced significant trauma in their home countries and in their travel to the border, such as your physical abuse, your kidnapping, your rape, and other forms of violence, according to the report. In addition, child migrant care facilities told the IG addressing the unique, unique mental health needs of separated children was particularly challenging. Separated children exhibited more fear, feelings of abandonment, and post-traumatic stress than did children who were not separated. Separated children experienced heightened feelings of anxiety and loss as a result of their unexpected separation from their parents. Children who did not understand why they were separated from their parents suffered elevated levels of mental distress. The level of trauma and unique experiences of separated children made it more difficult to address children's mental health needs unquote. The report also found that the uncertainty and chaos surrounding the reunification process added to their emotional distress. One child was moved to a different care facility to be reunited with her father. But after the child made several trips to the detention center, she was returned to the Florida facility, quote, in shambles without ever seeing her father. Who would have thought that would happen? It's a nutty, nutty, nutty world, ladies and gentlemen. but now it's time for news of the Olympic movement produced by Jim everssol the third. Yes, it's been passed down. You've been kept up to date on this broadcast about the concerns about the heat in Tokyo next summer when it's Olympic time. Already, they got a new idea. Organizers confirmed this week they plan to test the use of artificial snow at a canoe event later this month as they look for ways to keep spectators and athletes cool during the... Notoriously steamy summer months in Tokyo. Artificial snow will be sprayed over spectator seating, some of which may be in direct sunlight, during a a canoeing event coming up this week, serving as a test for the Olympics. We haven't decided definitely that we will use this system next year, they say to Agence France-Presse, but we want to test it to see how effective it is. We're open to trying all potentially useful ideas, said the spokesperson. When asked about the possible environmental side effects, of making artificial snow in boiling heat. The uh, public broadcaster NHK said the test would use small snowmaking machines to produce about a ton of snow per day. Officials from the organizing committee will be in the spectator stands to judge The technique's techniques effectiveness, I didn't mean to chuckle over that. And before the the Tokyo Olympics uh, officially, I'll be here in a moment, before they kick off the Olympics, tourists and locals are in for quite a display around the area. Japan will allow dozens of self-driving cars to freely roam near the competition areas and shuttle passengers. Look out! According to a Bloomberg report, the government is working with automakers like Toyota and Nissan to release the self-driving cars on city streets for a week before the Games. The whole idea is to flex Japan's muscles in the autonomous car field. No hard figures yet, but the report mentions up to 100 self-driving cars will be available to give pedestrians rides around the various Olympic venues where there's no traffic congestion or anybody making sudden moves. Beginning next month, tests will commence. Why don't you throw artificial snow on it first? See how the cars react to that. Leading up to the big ordeal and continuing into 2022, the report claims Japan's goal is to put self driving cars on the market in 2025. You'll hear more about that shortly on this program, not today. Not only will self driving cars flood the streets before the Tokyo Olympics kick off, they'll be highly visible throughout the Games, almost as if the Games are a pretext for advertising cars. Don't you think? Toyota detailed the handful of models that will be available for transportation to attendees and athletes. First athlete injured in a self-driving car accident will be obliterated from the public record. Athletes will be able to board a ride on the E-Palette, a boxy autonomous vehicle that fits 20 people and will only operate within the Olympic Village. Is that because of Insurance concerns? No way to know, unless you're an official of the Olympics. but, 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 But that can't be possible. It's a movement, and we all need one every day. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we now come to the point where we have to notice... The stuff that's been going on. Um, I think the noteworthy fact about the news involving (laughs) President Trump this week is that something he said not just once but continuously or actually repeatedly throughout his term uh, that's pretty mind-boggling has totally escaped public notice because of other things he said this week. Uh, What I'm referring to is a week ago, He said he was not sure he'd ever even heard of a Category 5 hurricane. Four storms of that magnitude have threatened U.S. mainland or territories during the Trump presidency. During his uh, briefing at FEMA on Hurricane Dorian, when it was still a Category 5 He described Dorian as, quote, very, very powerful, said the storm would be, quote, one of the biggest hurricanes we've ever seen. We don't even know what's coming at us. All we know, it's possibly the biggest. I'm not sure I've ever even heard of a Category 5. I know it existed, and I've seen some Category 4s. You don't even see them that much. But a Category 5 is something that I don't know that I've ever even heard the term, other than I know it's there. Daniel Dale, a reporter for CNN, CNN, there's two N's in it, examined uh, Trump's. History found he'd made similar comments about similar storms. I never even knew a Category 5 existed, he said, on September fourteenth, two 2017, before Irma, a Cat 5 storm, before it weakened and made landfall in the Florida keys. Later that September, Hurricane Maria devastated Dominica, the Virgin Islands, and Puerto Rico, or at least parts of them. That Cat Four 5 storm weakened to a four before it hit Puerto Rico. So we've never seen it, he said on September 26th, two years ago, about Maria's impact. It actually touched down as a Category 5. People have never seen anything like that. In October of that year, Trump reiterated claims that Cat 5 storms were inconceivable, saying, quote, nobody has ever heard of a 5 hitting land. In May of this year, months after Cat 5 Hurricane Michael ravaged the Florida panhandle, Trump told a crowd at a campaign rally in Panama City, Beach, Florida, he had, quote, never heard about Category 5s before. Category 5 is big stuff. Now, it, it's usually possible, I think, to look through the statements of this gentleman and perceive at least what he thinks, how he thinks he benefits from saying something. You know, it makes him look smarter, stronger, better in some way. I don't get how... Repeatedly saying you've never heard of a Category 5 hurricane does any of that. But as I say, that was all drowned out by the controversy over Alabama. President <laughs> President Trump a week ago said that uh, Alabama could be hard hit by Hurricane Dorian at a time when the very early predictions that it might, some tropical force winds from it might touch a very small part of northeast Alabama, had been obsolesced by later forecasts that totally eliminated the prospect of damage to Alabama. So he said that it could, and uh, then there's been a week of him refusing to admit that that was a mistaken comment. The National Weather Service in uh, Birmingham, not Birmingham, Birmingham, actually had to correct him and say there's no danger to Alabama. But in an agency-wide directive sent September 1st to uh, National Weather Service personnel, hours after Trump made his original assertion, staff was told only to stick with official National Hurricane Center forecasts if questions arise from some national-level social media posts and don't provide any opinion. A NOAA meteorologist who spoke on the condition of anonymity for fear of retribution said the note understood by uh, staff to be referring to Trump came after the Birmingham denial that there would be danger to Alabama. Of course, President Trump doubled down by showing a um, map with a cone of uncertainty with more uncertainty added to it by Sharpie. This is the first time I felt pressure from above to not say what truly is the forecast, said the unnamed meteorologist. It's hard for me to wrap my head around it. This is from The Washington Post. One of the things we train on is to dispel inaccurate rumors, and ultimately that is what was occurring. On Friday, NOAA officials further angered scientists by releasing a statement from an unnamed spokesperson supporting Trump's claims on Alabama and chastising the agency's Birmingham meteorologists. So what's the deal? Well, the firestorm surrounding the president's statements is unprecedented in Noah's history. But um, what is the deal? Now, there are um, those who suspect, unlike the Category 5 stuff, you can kind of tease out some meaning in this. Uh, Alabama is a state... That the Republicans, lost, in which the Republicans lost the Senate seat to Doug, uh, Doug Jones, the Roy Moore election, and uh, Jones is up for election next year. Uh, Trump is, I think, interested in a couple things: winning back that seat and not having Jeff Sessions run for it. So he's he is Alabama's on his mind. It's also been pointed out in some of the reporting this week that a rally in montgomery was the first rally first big you know the first in the series of 4000 rallies he's been holding and that was the sort of the gave him the idea oh this is a this is a good thing i'll do more of these so that might give him another emotional tie to the state it's possible that it's all about emotion
3: We were ready for the quake that didn't happen. Seems they don't do fracking in Alabama. We were ready for the decimating fire. That would have occurred if it was drier in Alabama. Jeff Sessions You're strong, so strong And you're free out, that's not in Alabama, we were ready for the riot in the Birmingham mall, then I hear folks don't riot at all in Alabama.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, here's the Apologies of the Week coming at you.
1: We're so sorry.
0: First of all, an apology from uh, last week that sorry. somehow escaped sorry. the giant Le Show Mall. A morning TV anchor in Oklahoma has apologized the day after likening her black co-host to a gorilla. Alex Housden said a gorilla at the Oklahoma City Zoo kind of looks like you to her colleague Jason Hackett at the end of a feature on uh, KOCO TV week and a half ago. She addressed what she called hurtful comments on the next day's show. I said something yesterday that was inconsiderate, it was inappropriate, and I hurt people, a tearful Hausden said to the audience. And Hackett, and I want you to know I understand how much I hurt you out there and how much I've hurt you. I love you so much and you've been one of my best friends for the past year and a half and I would never do anything on purpose to hurt you and I love our community and I want you to all to know from the bottom of my heart I apologize for what I said. I know it, it was wrong and I am so sorry." She did not address the racism implicit in her comparing an African American to an ape. Hackett accepted the apology on air and aco- acknowledged the pain was caused. He said he hoped the episode could serve as a wake-up call and a teachable moment that words matter. How many teachable moments have we had now?
1: Sorry, sorry, sorry.
0: Maybe Homo doesn't sapiens. La Cambria Welch was seeking an explanation. She and her brother And his fiancée had recently been coordinated with a wedding venue in Boonville, Mississippi about hosting their upcoming nuptials until they were informed they were no longer welcome. Why? Welch said it's because her brother is black and his bride-to-be is white. In a now viral video shared by Welch, a woman identified as the hall's owner can be seen telling the 24-year-old, First of all, we don't do gay weddings or mixed race because of our Christian race, I mean our Christian belief, unquote. more more than two million views of that clip. Critics calling for the venue to be shuttered. Following all that, Boone's camp event hall took down its Facebook page and its owner penned a lengthy apology, which chronicled in part her realization that biracial relationships were never mentioned in the Bible. To all those offended, hurt, or felt condemned by my statement, I truly apologize to you for my ignorance and not knowing the truth about this, and now deleted apology, Rhett. My intent was never of racism, but to stand firm on what I assumed was right concern in marriage. Boone's camp event hall could not be reached for comment by the Washington Post. So it's a, It's an apology that was deleted. A delete apology. For seven excruciating minutes, thousands of gatherers on St. Peter's Square in Vatican City last week were anxiously waiting for the Pope. Francis, the talking Pope, to show up for his weekly address, which usually starts like clockwork, exactly at noon. You know what they say about clockwork. Worries that something might be amiss spread, but finally the window of the palace swung open. A smiling pontiff sent relief across the crowd. What happened? What happened? The Pope had been trapped in an elevator. I must apologize for the delay, he said, explaining there was a drop of voltage in the elevator causing it to stop. Vatican didn't say whether he was alone in the malfunctioning elevator or whether it was a smart elevator from Best Buy. You know, when they stop, they stop. Sorry. No more app. A mistake by the Maricop- Maricopa Arizona Police Department, that's Phoenix, in July earned a live apology from the police chief. He, We messed up. He announced at his monthly coffee with the chief carried on the department's Facebook page. It was a mea culpa from a department that does not like to air its inner workings. The Maricopa Unified School District allowed the police to carry out training exercises on a campus during the summer. Training involved a canine searching for narcotics. One small packet was inadvertently left behind in a room, an error that was not discovered until after school started. Well, ain't that nutty? is that special? It's our fault, the chief said. Chief Steve Stahl, S-T-A-H-L. This, he said, is on us. Well, can't be on Sheriff Joe. He hasn't been reelected yet. Uh, The superintendent notified parents of the situation after the school had to go into shelter-in-place mode while police searched the premises. Stahl apologized to the uh, head of the... uh, school district personally said he needed to apologize to her, the staff, students, parents, and the community publicly because of the potential of what could have happened. Because a teacher had discovered the packet and reportedly looking like an old sandwich, threw it out. We have higher expectations of ourselves and have taken measures to correct the issue, said the police chief. The uh, House of Commons leader in the United Kingdom, There's a gentleman named Jacob Rees-Mogg. I have no idea why, after all the battles against pollution, we should want to re-smog, but there it is. And he does sound like this. And Well, Boris Johnson, the prime minister, is out of bad week. Almost as, no, I think worse than uh, (laughs) President Trump. Uh, He lost his uh, majority in the House of Commons after he personally canned 20 of his uh, party members for not voting with him. Uh, Then the Parliament passed legislation to block him from pulling a no-deal Brexit. Then his own brother resigned from the government. And a member of his cabinet resigned overnight today. But J.K. Reeves-Mogg has apologized for for comparing David Nichol, a neurologist who contributed to a, a report on what the impact might be of a no-deal Brexit, comparing him to the disgraced anti-vaccine activist Andrew Wakefield. He called him as irresponsible as Dr. Wakefield. I apologize to Dr. Nicholl for the comparison with Dr. Wakefield. I have the utmost respect for all the country's hard-working medical professionals and the work they do in caring for the people of this country, said Reese Smog. Reese Smog, but the pol- Two University of Wisconsin students have apologized for wearing nooses around their necks during a protest intended to inspire action on climate change. They, uh, We now understand our decision to use nooses was wrong and we are deeply sorry, the students said in a statement. The uh, email from the uh, heads of the university sent to all students said they hope the incident serves as a learning opportunity. Yeah, university is never too late to learn about slavery. What do you think? A Brazil's uh, Minister, economic minister, minister of the economy, is apologizing for making fun of the appearance of Francis, Francis first lady. First lady! Comments that angered many in both countries. Dalhousie University in Halifax, Nova Scotia, is apologizing to the African Nova Scotia community following the publication of a report examining the racist views of the school's founder and Nova Scotia's various connections to anti-black racism and slavery. It's a learning opportunity. And the founder of one of the nation's largest Gay conversion therapy programs He spent decades leading it Now says He's gay And he apologizes for his role In the practice McCray Game Who founded and led Hope for Wholeness in South Carolina Announced he was gay in early June More than two years after the organization's Board of Directors Abruptly fired him I didn't know being fired by a board Could turn you gay But there you go The Apologies of the Week Ladies and gentlemen Is a copyrighted feature of this broadcast (music) Ladies and gentlemen, that's it. There's no more of the show here. I don't know where there is. But good luck looking for it. Anyway, more here next week, same time on the radio. Whatever time, on your audio device of choice. On your smart (laughs) device. (laughs) Until it quits. And it'll be just like it not quitting. If you'd agree to join with me then. Would you already? Thank you very much. Uh huh. The show chapeau to the San Diego, Chicago, Pittsburgh, and Hawaii desks. Thanks, as always, to Pam Halstead and to Garrett Pittman here at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program, your chance to get Cars, I Talk t-shirts, and the playlists for the music you hear here, all at harryshearer.com. And I'm on Twitter, at the Harry Shearer. And I follow Derek Smalls on Twitter at Smalls Life. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy Radio Network. So long from the Crescent City.